don't forget, you're going to die. This is your host, Hansa Bergwall, and it's a special episode of the We Croak podcast today, where I talk with my uh, We Croak co-founder, Ian Thomas, just about, what are we going to talk about, Ian? We're going to talk about everything, Hansa. Thanks so much for for having me uh, on. We're going to talk a little bit about some tech news that we found was particularly interesting. We want to talk about some folks that we wrote obituaries about that we thought you know, were really worth sharing. And we also have some um, status updates for, for the app and for the podcast about some new exciting things that we're going to be trying over, uh, over the next couple months. So we got a lot to get to. But first, we really got to talk about your interview with, uh, with Kara Swisher. So <laughs> how did it begin? How did, how did this sort of come about? I believe it, it's hatched on Twitter, right? It hatched on Twitter. I knew she was using WeCrow because she would occasionally share quotes about it. And then she published this really like, you know, heartfelt thing about almost dying of a uh, stroke while she was traveling. And at that point, I just reached out and uh, pretty soon we were DMing and make, hatching plans to have a record a podcast together. So that, that was how it happened. It was a little bit surreal because I've been uh, a fan of Recode Decode for a while. Um, unlike you, I'm sort of a tech outsider in terms of my experience. So I've never worked for a big tech company. I've never really been to a networking event. And there I was across from Kara Swisher talking about you know, death and tech. <laughs> well, I mean, and she is, she is such a legend in so many ways. You know, I first encountered her back in 2007. I was in high school and she um, and her colleague at the Wall Street Journal at the time, Walt Mossberg, interviewed Steve Jobs and Bill Gates on stage at the same time, which was the first time they had ever sort of done anything like that. And it was just, it was just such an amazing sort of slice of the universe. You know, the iPhone hadn't really taken off. And so these were two sort of folks who made computers, you know, and who had done so since since the 80s and the opportunities that they seized on and how they worked with each other and, and battled each other over the years. And oh, it was just such a great interview. Um, I'll sometimes go back and look at it. And she she and Walt Mossberg did such an amazing job with that. So ever since then, I've been, oh, Kara Swisher, big fan. Yeah, she's 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 really fun. Like, that's what really got to me is like she's really like Kara is so Kara like she just really asks questions really fast she sort of prods you to like go off topic and get a little bit zany and of course I was intimidated because of course I've listened to the interviews where she makes some you know rich and powerful people sound like total fools <laughs> so <laughs> what, what would you do to little old me but it, it all worked out <laughs> okay I think now, did she um, did she give you any sort of inkling of the questions that she would ask you ahead of time? Or no, was it... no, 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 nothing like that. Oh, yeah. She she just puts right. you in the hot seat and expects you to know what you're talking about. And luckily, I get five reminders a day to think about these topics that she was asking me questions about. So I <laughs> I, I had material. <laughs> well, was there um, was there a question that you wish she had asked you but like didn't get? didn't have time to ask or it didn't make air, uh, anything, anything like that? Uh, it all passed so quickly. Um, right. It really, really did. And I, maybe she probably wasn't interested in like what I had to say about it, but if I had to had hours to wax poetic on her platform, you know, I would, I would say a lot more about like 
design that respects the human person and doesn't use like, you know, a free model that uh, then addicts you uh, to profit from you. It's like totally unethical. Um, and how, you know, we're trying to create like, rather than like a get everyone onto our platform, we try to create a really strong experience that delivers maximum heightened experience, not just whatever people want. Um, and then does not know addiction hooks. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested in those kinds of questions in terms of tech, because I think we do have to redesign our phones, especially uh, in order to be happier in the world. Um, and that is a topic I could talk about all day. Uh, but of course, it's a little bit further afield from, you know, what you really want to talk about, I think, which is that you're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, you know, for the folks who have had a near-death experience or have experienced death in their in their family. I think there's something about going through that that changes their perspective on on the universe. And I think it's just so lucky that um, sort of the stars aligned for you two to get to, to sit down and um, and really have a tremendous discussion. It's definitely one of one of my favorite pieces ever done about the the Wee Croak universe. So you did fabulous, fabulous job. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you. I wish you could have been there. I sometimes all the questions oh. about tech, I'm like, I wish Ian was here. He's the one who actually knows how to do everything. Well, well, and and the the secret in tech, at least you know, in my opinion, is that all the tech people, all the supposed tech insiders, they're all making it up as they go along anyway. And they afterwards say, oh well, of course we were going to do that, and we were so visionary that we were going to do X Y Z. But you know. People are throwing things up against a wall to see to see if they stick, and then only afterwards do you get you know the good branding of being labeled a genius, visionary, um, whatnot. So that's that's what I think the the folks in tech don't want don't want people to know because then why would you give them millions and tens of millions and billions of dollars in uh, in funding? Or now now we have all these IPOs. It's, it makes me think of 1999 and 2000 with the dot com boom. Every everyone's IPOing all of a sudden and. Uh, and it's been 10 years since we've had a recession, so we're overdue. So what are we, what are we doing here? And you think, you think it's a bubble? To, I do, but in, um, in the opposite of my defense, I've been thinking there's been a bubble in tech since 2015, and I've been wrong every single year. Um, so event, it's one of those things where eventually you'll be right, but because um, that's just the boom-bust cycle of, of capitalism. But you know, how many scooter companies, Hansa, do we possibly, could we possibly need? Do we need eight? You know, probably, probably not. Wait a minute. We have eight scooter companies. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's at least <laughs> sure there's at least eight. You you trip over them here in Silicon Valley. It's like everything's very distorted. So you know, if there's if there's eight here, you know, there's probably at least you know four everywhere else. Because um, this is the hotbed where all the folks will sort of try, and if they could get a little traction, but the margins we on the don't, we don't, are good. So we don't you know, have. Try it. The scooters here in New York, I'm pretty sure New Yorkers would just like pick them up off the sidewalk and throw them in the recycling bins. <laughs> well, at least at least they're recycling, which I'm 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 a huge fan of, so I could go for that. Uh, cool. Yeah, any uh, we'll, any other we'll, tech we'll news you're paying attention to right now? I um sort of as a developer, I try to follow all the developer stuff. So Facebook had their big developer event where it's it seems that Facebook has sort of discovered privacy to which sort of the rest of us are scratching our heads and have sort of said, where have you been? Um, and so they've made some promises about end-to-end -end encryption and really protecting user data. And, you know, I really hope that that's the case. Um, and I hope that they can execute on that that vision, that promise. But 
you know, at the end of the day, their business is built on sharing data um, with third parties to then sell you ads for things. So I just don't think it's um, Congress with with having a super private sort of mindset. And I hope they could they could buck the trend and uh, do right by these commitments. But I uh, I won't be holding my my breath. Yeah, it just doesn't when your model is ads, the incentive to monetize on what they know about you is so strong Um, because I work in, you know, marketing. So I know how much uh, that world is creepy and the hyper targeting of people um, is based on the data they're collecting on you. Um, But it seems like there's there's a better way to do it. You know, there's been lots of sort of scandals and events sort of connected and related to Facebook over the last, you know, months and years at this point. But another company who's, you know, really does a lot of ads, and that's sort of one of the core pieces of the business is Google. But you don't hear too many scandals sort of coming out of, of Google. Now, they're an older, sort of more established company. So maybe, you know, this is some teething problems that Facebook is is having. But, you know, there, there are ways to make things work with ads um, and to do it, you know, tastefully, and to do it well, and to do it in a way that, you know, surprises and delights people. But... It just seems that Facebook hasn't hasn't struck that that balance yet, and hopefully, hopefully they will. You know, when, when I think about these issues, it's um, you know, it seems like the big magic thing that tech can do is um, the trillion dollar idea is that you know behavior modification, where you know people like Facebook and Google can, through algorithm and hyper targeting our ads based on data. Um, or just interrupting your life based on, you know, addictive tech or just being near you can, you know, really change our behavior based on what they show us and what they, what kind of platforms they put up with us. And that's why they're such marketing powerhouses is that they, all the ad dollars are going there because it's so effective. So I, mean, I have a hard time very... imagining Facebook, like just saying like, we've created the, the best behavior modification technology ever in the history of the world, and we're going to give it up in the name of privacy. It, it sounds like it'll be window dressing. Well, their their shareholders would revolt, and you know whoever proposed that type of thing would be would be axed because they they make so much money not doing that, doing it in the sort of status quo that they 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 literally can't afford to to do it. Literally, why WeCroak exists is we were looking for a behavior modification antidote to all the shit going down on our phones. <laughs> just to give us something else to something else to do um, near and dear to our hearts listeners is this issue of people putting their tentacles in our brains yeah but it's it's also you know as much as i think the new tech companies deserve criticism it's also you know media needs to to change like advertising needs to change like buying super bowl ads or just buying ads on tv is just such an untargeted way to try to reach people it's it's almost silly to do that. At least I that's my sort of millennial view. It's like, wow, how could you how could you possibly think that this is a good way to sell a car? Like I will why are you selling me car ads right now? I have no intention of like ever getting rid of my, you know, ancient Prius at this point. Like it's just not it's just not gonna happen. So uh, how how would stops working? Like how would you how, do it, Ian? Uh how would you like redesign the model so that it's a little more ethical or ethical, <laughs> period. When I, so I, I use Google search and I think like if I'm, if I'm looking for a car and I put in like, you know, whatever the new, um, the 2020, you know, Prius is, if I ever needed to get a car, Google will sell ads to the people who want to speak to the people who have, 
interested in buying a car. So my intention is very there and I'm explicitly stating it. Right. And that's sort of in contrast to sort of more of the Facebook model of they're looking at the things that I like. They're looking at the things that I comment on. They look at the things that I say and they're trying to infer my intention and they can get very good at it. And they might secretly know that I want a new car, but the fact that they're showing me stuff for it without me initiating that, I think it's, it, it obviously works because they make millions and millions and millions of dollars, but I think it's less, it's less human in that way versus like telling Google like, Hey, I'm actually interested in, in buying a car. And you know, if you've asked your friend that I'm sure they'd have an opinion to share with you. Right. So, and so I think there's, there's a way to do it where we feel more in control. You want consent-based advertising. Certainly. And this is part of the the trade-off of using something like Google is that, you know, you see ads, but you will get really relevant results. And there's lots of other search engines that have tried to do the great results that Google has, and they just can't compete, at least in in my opinion, for the things that I search for. So yeah, if you're being sort of very transparent that, you know, this is an ad, um, and that's another whole can of worms as well of sort of the influencers posting things on Facebook and are they being paid to post this, you know, this amazing dinner, this amazing restaurant, you know, did they get that meal for free or did they genuinely enjoy it? And it's, it's sort of the wild west of who's paying who and is this an ad or is this just a genuine person that I'm following? And you just don't know. And if you haven't seen those documentaries about the fire festival and sort of the role that influencers play, oh my gosh, you have to. You have to check them out because that was uh, oh, just such a great case study in uh, so many things going wrong, but also untransparent influencers and, and advertising. So favorite things in influencer land I read recently is there was this amazing story. I think it was the New York Times about a glut of influencers in Bali where there were just too many of them wandering around asking for like free hotel rooms on the beach that the uh, people with the cute hotels were basically telling them to take a hike. <laughs> yes. No, this this was so <laughs> my favorite article. It was so time. funny. <laughs> so Hans, I feel like we're missing out on such a huge opportunity. You know, we should we should walk into walk into a bar and be like, you know, hey, we we've got an app that tells you uh, you're going to die all the time. Could you uh, could you let us uh, have a free round of drinks? They'll be like, what? And excuse me? Uh, just go away. quote. <laughs> It's like, well, we'll put one we of your quotes, you know, from your restaurant manager in the app and we'll put it, we'll put it into our thing and they'll say, oh, it's Fred's, Fred's taco restaurant. Um, F- so-and-so and so-and-so. FYI, we never do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> that would be, that would be, we pay for, no, we pay but for our own drinks. Thanks, these but, influencers, yeah. they're like, they're very, they're not like people look at them like they're, um, cause they're real people, not journalists. Like they, they identify with them more or something like, or they trust them more, but it's so much what you call pay for play where the things being recommended or that you see in these pictures, there's a financial relationship or a partnership. And what you're really looking at is advertising, cottage industry advertising. Um, And so it's kind of interesting. And also the whole like celebrity influencer thing. I just read this article about how Jack Dorsey is Silicon Valley's top man influencer, which feels like... (laughs) Excellent. We need Such more an embarrassing with man in it, uh, uh, just, to, just to explain things. Yeah, great. And all these guys are running around starving themselves, doing fasts because he recommends it, and like freezing themselves in um, like chilling baths and all kinds of wacky um, health stuff. Oh, someone actually came to our um, our company's office and was trying to sort of sell sell us these these types of uh, 
experiences. And uh, someone in the office went for it. They they said it was pretty cool. But uh, I like you. I'm quite dubious um, about this whole situation. I'm not. But, I'm not dubious about his habit of saunas. Saunas though, home infrared saunas. I think saunas are great. I will. Okay. Relax and something like that any day. I don't think I would pay for one in my home, but that does sound nice. So I I give him credit where it's due. Time to relax, well, sweat, great. I mean, and sometimes, you know, you have to sort of go to an extreme to make a point. So maybe there's, you know, a point he's trying to make about about health, which is, you know, interesting and genuine. And he's going to an extreme to make it, you know, and that's fair. That's a that's sort of a tactic that we use, you know, telling people they're going to die all the time. That's sort of it's true, but it's also you know, I think some would view it as going to an extreme. So if you're if you're opening yourself up to being modified by, you know, what Jack Dorsey's telling you or what Lee Croak's telling you, you know, as long as you're conscientious of that um, and the effects it might have, then, okay, proceed, proceed with caution. But yeah, I think to your point, a lot of people don't know the relationship is just not transparent in terms of where, where the cash is flowing. And that's, that's, that's my, that's my biggest gripe. If I could see where the cash is moving from whose pocket to whose pocket, then I could be like, all right, you're in the pocket of big sauna. Um, you know, Honda, and I, and, I, and I understand that. So when we're talking about it, like I will take it with the grain of salt, but maybe it's still a legit thing to try. You know, if I was going to be in the pocket of anyone, I, I'd hope it would be the of the pocket of Big Sauna. That sounds really fun. Big Sauna, <laughs> Big Sauna, or like Big Ice Cream. You know, there's so many big things that we should that we should be in. Yeah, it just sounds like a great relaxing day. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we've got some We Crook news that we're like just going to start sharing with people, hoping that uh, if they have thoughts or feelings about it, they reach out and tell us. We're exploring making changes, first of all, to the We Crook app model. Isn't that right? Yeah. Speaking of pricing, one of the great ways that so many people found We Crook was that we had this 99 cent price tag at the front of it. And it was a great way to find the like-minded folks who would be interested in subjecting themselves to these these types of death reminders and death contemplation. And having that price barrier really helped us find our wonderful sort of core audience that continues to come back and downloads our app, you know, dozens of times every day and has for, for years at this point. But one thing we want to try to do, you know, looking back, WeCroak's been out for you know almost two years now, and it's time to, to change things up a little bit and to do, to do an experiment. So uh, there's two things that we want to proceed with here. One thing is that we'd like to make We Croak free for a week to try it out for people. You know, there's a lot of folks who have maybe looked at our page, but then said like, ah, that's that's probably not for me, or just because there's a, a price tag on it, like I can't be bothered. And you know, some of them, I'm sure, might actually really appreciate the We Croak experience if they had the chance to to try it for free. So, what do you think, Hansa? Should we? Should we give it give it a go? Maybe maybe folks will uh, appreciate it. Yeah, I think uh, at this point, now that we've been out long enough, and you know, tens of thousands of people have tried it, we're very confident that you know it's it's an experience we want more people to have. So we're exploring freemium models so that we can let more people try it out and also uh, create higher value reminders of death for the people who are really using us and and loving like living closer to the truth about mortality, because you know the as the years go on, you know, it's, it's important to try to keep that uh, that realization fresh. And I think that means that we have to dig in and iterate and find new ways of hitting our core base over the head with the truth of about life and death. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I couldn't agree more. I think the greatest challenge, you know, maybe with most things, but certainly with Wheat Croak is 
once you get your 50th or 100th or 5,000th reminder that you're going to die, you know, how do you keep that, that moment of introspection and reflection fresh is, is really hard. And that's something that we are rededicating ourselves to trying to figure out how to, how to do and how to, how to do well. So yeah, so stay tuned. We'll, we'll give you a thing. One thing we can tell you right now, what we are committed to is uh, on the We Grow Gap, never, ever any advertising. That is just not what we're about. So don't worry about that. And really, it's, it's about how do we respond and keep giving people deep experiences around death. So that, that's it. And of course, the podcast, we are doing that. And I'm going to be continuing to inviting great people on. And uh, over the next month, I'm finishing a little book I've been writing that is due to the editor. So <laughs> bear with me. But we should have some great new episodes and new guests uh, this summer. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous summer. So stay tuned. Hold on for dear life. Pardon the pun. And uh, and it's going to be great. All right. Uh, I thought we would end with a couple of uh, obits that caught our attention. Do you, do you have one for us, Ian? I do. This is something that sort of touched me at, at many different levels. So there is a amazing surfer named Mike Doyle who passed away a couple of days ago, and he was really a huge part of Southern California surf culture, which is sort of the culture that I um, grew up in. And he was a he was a neat character because he was he was an outsider, and he grew up sort of on the wrong side of of Interstate Five, as they say. He grew up 15 whole miles from the beach, Hansa, which is doesn't sound very far. Uh, to most folks, but to the the surfers who lived on the beach and sort of really owned this uh, this sort of core experience, they thought like, who is this guy coming from all this way? But you know, he put in a lot of time out in the beautiful beaches of Malibu. Became a really good surfer. Was in um, some films, and you know, during all of this, he was also diagnosed with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. And this is, you know, a terrible debilitating disease where you lose control of, you know, your your muscles and um, your coordination. And um, so he he passed away this this week. And it made me think about Stephen Hawking, who also had a similar diagnosis. But these two amazing folks were able to to achieve so much and do so much, you know, in their lives despite the huge obstacles put up put up against them, both from geography. Um, in uh, Mike's case, but also, you know, this common bond of, of medicine. And, you know, if you like Stephen Hawking, be sure to keep swiping um, to open the Wheat Croak notifications because he has some really good quotes that we are so fortunate to, to have in our app. How about you, Hansa? Did you have a chance to look through any obituaries recently? Yeah, yeah. And let me just say that's a good story. I definitely want to look at that one. Uh, one that caught my eye was this guy, uh, Theodore Isaac Rubin, who was a psychoanalyst and writer. And what he wrote some novels and stuff like that. But most importantly, he really like post-war popularized the idea of like therapy in general uh, and sort of getting treatment for mental health. So, you know, he just died when he was 95. So he had a good long life. And it just seemed like one of those unsung heroes, like because of all these changes and, you know, global economy and opiates everywhere and technologies that make us depressed, like, you know, looking at Instagram when you're all your friends are on vacation and you're not like, can you imagine if we were all facing this and we didn't even have like a mental health industry and therapy to, for people to resort to? And like, this was something that didn't exist in the way it does now until this guy went around popularizing it by being a writer, being a guest on talk shows and all that, all that kind of stuff, and really making 
carving out so much space in our culture for people to seek help. And, you know, it just struck me of like, what a momentous life. And my God, you know, we would be screwed today if he hadn't done what he'd done. Wow, that's, holy moly, that's unbelievable. It's so amazing that you could trace entire, entire universes back to, you know, seemingly one person or maybe even one moment and how, wow, we are incredibly fortunate for, for what he's done for us. My gosh. Say, say his name again in case uh, listeners want to look him up and missed it um, right yeah. off the bat. Uh, Theodore Isaac Rubin. And uh, not like the creator of like, like Freud of like psychoanalysts or therapy or these sorts of things, but a great popularizer in the United States. Uh, at least in this obituary, they really credited him with, you know, making it okay in America to like, you know, go talk to your therapist once a week. Which is like, it's a, the brain's the muscle. You need to, you need to work out, you know, all of your muscles and, you know, there's the gym for some and your therapist for others. And, you know, the fact that that's socially acceptable, what an incredible legacy. We could all try to aspire to, to greatness like that. So, yeah, I guess that's what we wanted to talk about today. And uh, we'll keep doing this, like just checking in, you and me, talking about the different guests we have and sort of we croak death-like and technological news every once in a while. And also have the usual interesting guests who've written books on this show. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you about any of our episodes or if you're listening, how to make it better, as well as uh, go to our Patreon, because it really does help us to keep creating uh, content for you. We really love coming together and chatting with each other, chatting with amazing folks. And thank you so much for allowing us to, to live out our passions and to get to live the lives that we live. And hopefully we croaks a part of helping you all get to live the life that, that you want to live. So thank you. Thank you.